This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz, Jingle Bells, Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Getting on the air this week, just under the wire in the final segment. The 60th of our 60 segments this week. Here he is, Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. It's just such an honor to be here. <laughs> you missed us. Don't downplay it. You called us. We were ready to give up, but you came through. because you. Missed I you never give happened. up on Joe. You missed us, Joe. You know what happened was um, your wonderful producer, who I speak with regularly, uh-huh. he texted me a couple of times about times and I was like trying to figure out scheduling because we every single day we get a different schedule and it's not our choice. We get given it. So we have to wait for a certain time and then we get it. And then by the time we get it texted to us, and I'd actually just forgot to write back to him a couple of times. And I was like, look, I was just literally just getting some treatment then. And I was looking through my messages and I was like, man, I forgot to apply. And I was like, I can do it right now. And he promptly wrote back as always. And look where we are. Awesome. <laughs> Spectacular. Well, we're glad you're here, Joe. I, I just want to, before we get into the basketball, and I'm sure PK has got multiple questions for you, but is that schedule thing, it's a bubble thing, and so those of us who aren't in the bubble maybe don't fully get it, but one of those things on the schedule is when you have to get tested, and I've read about guys who missed their test and then had to immediately be quarantined because they missed their test, so you really can't screw that up, can you? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... <laughs> Honestly, it's the, the the whole schedule is kind of like that. Um, you get given times. Um, obviously, we get a, a text with our, our schedule um, kind of post-game or post-practice or whatever for the next day. And um, the, the, I mean, this morning for us was 10.30 to 11.30. Um, you can try and sneak in in other teams' um, times if, if there's no one in there, but, but obviously they want kind of everybody going in their time so um yeah and if you i mean i think there's been a couple of players and i don't know what they do obviously it was kind of like a preseason or whatever you want to call it i don't know if they would actually sit people out for for not doing it but um i, I guess they kind of have to to a certain extent too because if someone is potentially going to test positive or whatever then um that have to do obviously have to do their test so yeah it's pretty it's same thing with the the court times. You get given a, a practice time, a, a time slot for practice, and you've you've got to make that work. So there's no consistency in terms of of if we're in Utah, we practice at like ten or eleven or whatever every day. It doesn't matter what day it is. We're we're ten or eleven in the morning. So we've practiced six to nine, seven to ten. One, I think today we're one to four. Um, we've practiced in the morning. So like so, it's just every day is different. So you just got to adjust and. Um, you just got to make it work. 
So outside of the pregame with the kneeling and the no fans and all, everything else seemed to be the same. You're running around chasing J.J. Reddick nonstop, <laughs> and, that, and that's always fun to see. You know, it looked like you're – you got to run around with your head cut off and trying to figure out where he's going next. I'm just wondering, from my perspective, sitting down, once the game got going, aside from the couple other things, it seemed like a normal game. Is that the way it was for you, or was it a little bit different? No, no, it did. It, it was I, – I was I was just walking back from breakfast and, and talking to um, one of the Milwaukee assistants who, who are there playing. I think they played today. And he was asking about it, and that's – really what I said is it's everything felt the same um obviously once you you start playing the, the competitive nature of it just kind of kicks in and you, you're not really worried about kind of who's courtside or who's in the like you're, just, you're not thinking about your family they're like there's nothing and I think that's the same for everyone if we play in Utah or if we play on the road you once once the game starts you're into it and um honestly the the only difference I thought um which might be kind of good or bad was, um, but was the crowd? There's obviously not as much crowd noise. That that constant noise of, of people talking or clapping or booing or like, like doesn't matter what it is. Just but that's just that constant noise. And um, they did a really good job of whatever you call it, like virtual clapping, virtual cheering. And for us, it was a road game yesterday, so it was all like kind of New Orleans signage around on the screens and it was their fans, majority of their fans on the virtual screen and um, but yeah like you said it was um, it was a lot more normal than, than I thought it was going to be kind of coming into this a month ago. So you talk about once the game gets going you get into it. I think for a lot of Jazz fans watching that, the first half especially was a lot of stops and starts. The team might play well for a couple minutes but then there were some really bad possessions and suddenly you're down 12 at the half so it seemed like it did take a while to really get into and play the way you can. But given up 17 points in the fourth quarter, that looked like what people expect and, most importantly, what Quinn Snyder expects. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, I mean, even in these, these pre, pre-season, whatever you want to call it, games, um, I mean, we were our, our, kind of that main rotation. We were only playing 15, 20 minutes, so it's, it's kind of nowhere near... Um, the regular minutes we, we were going to play. Um, it, it's not hard to get in the rhythm, but you, you, I understand it from both point of views. They don't want to, with the players, like run us into the ground before the season even starts. And they just want us to kind of get into it, get a flow. And, and obviously from a, a player's point of view, it's like, I want to play every minute. Like once I'm out there, I want to play. I want to get in the rhythm and, and all that. So um, I probably in my head knew it was going to be a little bit ugly. I, I think what we need, uh, especially without Boyan, you, you lose kind of 20 points a game automatically. And um, I think for us, regardless, we've tried to be a defensive team. I think that's what we should be holding our hat on. And I think we have for a long time. And um, it was up and down. Like I said, we, we missed some shots. I think, I think we made, missed some shots that we will, we will make in the future. Um, getting a flow of like who you're playing with at different times and the, the lineups and when you can be aggressive and when you can't be. And I, I think that stuff will just continue to get better. But what we knew coming into that game, that that, that second half last corner, if we, we really locked down defensively, we could, we could make a push. Everyone was getting tired. Um, but I personally could see on their faces, like they were exhausted in the last quarter. And um, 
we try to run as much as we could, which I think we did a really good job of, and we pushed it, and we kind of kept the subs coming, and we just kept pushing it and pushing it, and that's what got us back in the game. And then obviously just kind of executing down the stretch with um, Donovan's pull-up and then the play he made to, to find Rudy, and then obviously huge free throws by, by Rudy at the end. And Royce plays a, a really good possession at the end to contest a, a, a pretty tough three, and um, yeah, we come away with a win. So in a season of adjustments, you're having to make another adjustment with Bogdanovich out, obviously. I'm wondering, does this team need to have success to improve its confidence in terms of maybe proving to yourselves, maybe you don't need it, that's why I'm asking the question, that you can win just as well without one of your key players as with him? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think our group has confidence regardless of of who's out there, honestly. I think... um, you could put one of our rookies in, you could put whoever it is in. If we had, if we brought someone in to, to replace Boyan for this stretch, like the rules allow, whatever, like to, to me, the way we play and the confidence that, that Quinn gives us all, uh, I think we could literally play with anyone out there. I think um, we'd be a confident team regardless, but like you can say all you want and, and we can, pretend or, or really act like we're, we're confident, but it, it's different out there without Boyan. He, he spaces the floor. He, he's obviously a hell of a scorer. Um, I've said it before, but I thought he was really good defensively for us this year, um, which has not been something in the past that people talk about. Um, so it's, it's automatically different. And my six years here, we've, we've fought that a lot. Guys have been injured in and out, and we've done it a lot this year with Mike and stuff, and, and obviously now Boyan. So I think it's 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 honestly kind of a part of our DNA. I think we're, we're used to being the underdog. We're used to being counted out. Um, we're usually better in games that we're we're not favourited in. We're we're usually better in the games that people count us out, and um, that's a, a really good thing. But then on the flip side, you obviously have to be ready for for any game. So we'll, we'll be confident no matter who's out there. Um, obviously, we all want to be healthy this whole time. If if something was to happen, and and you never know this this whole bubble thing is, is bizarre anyway. So you never know what could happen. But it's always been that kind of next man up mentality. I heard some quotes from Donovan. There are actually parts of the bubble that were enjoyable. That you know you can sit and eat, and you're not going to have any fans come up to you or anything like that. That guys are able to you know hang out a little bit on the off time and that you're kind of getting some level of, of comfort there. Is there any of that for you or is that just for him? No, no, definitely. Um, the first kind of 72 hours to that first week, like that first three to five days was, was pretty tough. Um, I think the whole, and not necessarily just being like quarantined for the first two days and the food that we were getting was, hilarious those first two days like just those things were, were frustrating but but it, like obviously everyone's different for me just not not being with my kids not being getting up with the kid like it was it was very different to my life for the last three months and um i think it's it was taking everyone differently we, we were talking about it the other day like people that are close to me which is obviously my family is different for like royce or donovan like royce is like man i just love to have my dog here like that's his comfort. That's what what he has at home, and he's used to having. So, I, I think everyone had little things individually that they are used to that that is normal for their everyday life. And I, I think that's a big part of getting used to it. And obviously, we're a close knit team anyway. We, we hang out a lot anyway, and all that. This just kind of puts it on another level because every meal's together, every team meal. There's 
there's obviously now um, there's a couple of restaurants we can go and eat at, which wasn't at the start of this. We we couldn't do that while everyone was getting their tests sorted and and all that. So it's yeah, I mean it's it, I think guys are a lot more comfortable now, and and I think the other thing that that people count out a little bit is that that there hasn't been a a positive test since since the first whatever I think there was two people the first one and, and zero since so um, you feel a lot more comfortable walking around and, and obviously everyone's doing the right thing by by the rules or whatever they are here but um, that whole comfort level just kind of eases when when you know everyone everybody's doing the right thing um, to, to stay here as long as we can do you think this so-called public spat that Gobert and Mitchell had can actually be beneficial to the team because it really puts maybe more of the focus on winning? Um, yeah, I mean, I still, and I'll, for as long as I live, um, like, push and believe of, of how much it got blown out of proportion. Like, I'm, I'm with these guys every day. Right. Um, not during quarantine, because I was abiding by the rules. But but I'm with these guys every day. I mean I'm in the jazz group text that we we talk in every day. Like it's um, like they've both come out. Like there was frustration. There was frustration with everyone. I, I didn't speak to any of my teammates for the first two or three weeks, and that's not because I don't like my teammates. That uh, it was a frustrating situation for all of us, no matter who did have a first or who didn't. And my only thought for those next couple of weeks was was my family. Like I didn't have any interest in talking to my team like I was trying to make sure my, my family and my kids were safe so um, doesn't mean I hate my teammates it's just it is what it is so I think it I really think it got blown out of proportion uh, I mean uh, as teammates and like I've played with Rudy for six years have, have we only had good times like no we've, we've yelled at each other we've got mad at each other we've probably gone home pissed off at each other um, we've had conversations after and, and kind of it's just a part of the part of being a professional in, in this business. We all want to win. We all want the best. We all want to play as well as we can. We all want... I mean, I'd love to have a 50-point game. Like, how cool would that be? But, like, it, it's a team game. There's so much more to it. So, um, I'll, I'll forever think it got blown out of proportion. I think with, with the world being kind of shut down the way it was at that time, I thought it, people took advantage of, of the story and, and ran with it. Um but I also think it, on the flip side, it, it, it might have just helped them anyway, regardless. Like, there's always frustration between players, and um, I think they've played really well together. Pre the whatever those three games where they played really well, the, the training camp leading up, they've played really well. Like I don't think um, whatever had happened or, or not happened, there was no grudges. There was no whatever was said in the media, whatever it was. It was um, like you said, it, it switches to like let's just win. Like if if we're winning basketball games, no if we, if we come out and, and lost every game and, and lose all these eight games, then, then it probably gets brought back up again. But the the more we win, the more people forget about it. And like I said, I, I, I really got blown out of proportion. I'm finding it odd that uh, Quinn is canceling multiple practices. You would think that with the uh, you know having to scrape the more rust off. Practices he canceled for you. He ain't, practic- he ain't canceled none of mine. Really, we got we got an email <laughs> that the Jazz will not practice today. I got to send that email last night, and that's not the first time I've gotten it. Have you been going every day? Uh, no, we've we've obviously had our our kind oh, of days come off. on, Joe. Do you want me to finish, or Go you want to butt in? Go ahead. <laughs> um, no, we, we've had our schedule 
days off with with obviously with with Quinn and the medical staff that they sort out, and um, we have a lot of days which are kind of cool. What we call them get what you need days. So if, if you feel like you need to go and work out or shoot, you, you can. We've got the court one to four. Like I said, we get a time every day. So ninety nine percent of the time on these get what you need days, pretty much everyone goes um, unless there's an, an injury or something that someone's staying back for treatment, but. Pretty sure everyone will go over. Obviously, the rookies and the young guys always go, and then us older guys kind of plop in a little bit later and um, shoot a couple of threes. And I'll go, go get a lift in. And um, I think that's what, like it's as comfortable as we are here now. You could you could also get really comfortable, and you play every second day. Like you you could use it would be easy to fall into having every second day off and just not doing anything. And I think people's bodies and stuff will start to break down and get sore doing that. We've got a a pretty unreal team here of staff and, and medical staff and strength coaches and all that that, that keep us going. And um, I'm going to listen to them and, and keep doing what I've done for the last few years. As a foreign player with all this social activism, is it awkward in any way or form to take part in it in a different country, particularly with respect to the national anthem? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely different for me, I think. Um, I, I'm obviously from a different country. Um, it's not necessarily like my anthem. I, I'm not a citizen. I'm not, I'm not anything like that. I've obviously done what our team has kind of done since I've been here. We've, we've stood, obviously stood there. We've, we've locked arms in the past. Um, I think for the last couple of years we'd we'd done that. Um, obviously, for for me, it's and it's why I've got what I've got on my jersey. Like I'm I'm not from here. I've got a lot of black friends, black teammates, people that I'm some of my closest friends are, um, and I've had conversations with them. And obviously, teammates we sit in rooms and talk and. I said it when I was talking about what what I put on my jersey and, and speaking to my teammates, and they thought that was a, a powerful message to, for an Australian or, or a non-citizen or whatever you want to call it to, to stand there and um, support my teammates, support my friends. Like I, I don't think people people probably underestimate like like some of my best friends that I'll forever be friends with are black guys that I love like my family, and I'm. Never in, in whatever situation or circumstance, I'm going to support my friends and my family. Like you would at any other time. Um, and for me, it was um, obviously I, I understand the other side of it a little bit too. Like I, I, I do understand. I, I don't think there's not one person here that is doing it for the wrong reason. They're, they're not doing it to disrespect the flag or the anthem. I, I 100% believe that. Um, and obviously, in, in thinking that, I I wanted to be there to support my teammates, and I, and I told them from day one, like whatever you guys or, or the the group, or I think there was whatever three hundred players here, whatever the decision is from that, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be there with you. And um, yeah, I mean, it was to me, it, it felt really good for me to be able to support, like I said, my friends and and guys I consider family. So um, I know people. I mean, we've we've read some of the comments. We've, we've seen it. Um, people saying they're never going to watch the Jazz again. They, they're never going to a game. They've just lost their season tickets or handing them in or, or whatever you say. Um, but I honestly, deep down, I I know that no one's done this um, 
with the, the wrong intentions in mind. This is um, it's not to disrespect or anything like that, and um, obviously that's why I was I was comfortable taking part and, and supporting my my guys. I was surprised watching the whole Michael Jordan documentary when they got to the point where they asked Steve Kerr if uh, he and Michael, both of whom had their fathers murdered, ever talked about that. And despite the fact they got pretty close, Steve said, no, we never went there. Maybe it's just, you know, it's just too much, right? And so you are informed, obviously, by your teammates' experiences. I mean, you're a white guy, right? And you listen to your black teammates talk. And I wonder how much this team is informed, the guys who are teammates. I know that there's some turnover every year. But I wonder how much this team was informed by – um, Cephalosha, you know, he missed a year in the NBA. Uh, police yeah. broke his leg in New York. He got like a $4 million settlement, right? I mean, they did something wrong. The fact he was an NBA player and he was rich did not help him in that moment. Um, yeah. So I'm curious if that was something that he talked about with a lot of guys on the team, one guy on the team, if that's somewhere you just didn't go? No, no, we've... Um... I mean, well, I've I've been here six years now, and and obviously Quinn's been the the head coach for that, and and anything in, in the six years of of me living here that that has happened in this country, um, whether it be racism based or, or whatever, Tarbo situation, um, and not saying we talked about Tarbo situation as a team, but um, well, we will we we sit in a room and, and we discuss it, and, and Quinn's a. Um, kind of an open book with that like let, let people uh, like I, I kind of wish in some respects that the, the the people that are thinking kind of not the negative way but the, the thing thinking that we're doing this for the wrong reason I wish they could sit in a room with these guys and I like I'm not going to name names it's obviously not my place to, to put their business or anything out there, but some of the conversations that I've had that I've listened to within our film room or, or wherever it is, like have made me sick to my stomach, have made me go home and, and speak to like I've I'm like getting almost teary like now about thinking about what some what some of their family, friends, brothers, sisters, parents have, have had to go through. Like it's it's something that me and my and and Renee, like we're never going to have some of these conversations with our kids ever. Like I'm never, I've never once in my life been pulled over and been worried about my, my life or anything. Like it's if 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 you could sit in this like in these rooms and listen to these people talk and how upset like it, it breaks them. And I, I think that for me makes it easier for my decision to to support my guys because I, I hear it. Like I. I can look at these guys' faces and see how distraught they are from it. And that's why I know from my point of view, I'm doing the right thing by supporting them and being by their side. And no, nothing would change that. Like no one would be able to, cause, cause I, like I said, like I sit there and I watched, like I wish I could <laughs> elaborate more a little bit, but um, like I said, it's not my, my business to, to kind of put people's, people's other people's business out there but some of these conversations have been like extremely hard to, to listen to and that's why I, like I said like I'm, I'm so comfortable doing and representing the, the way I am is because of these things and, and these meetings and, and conversations I've, I've been a part of 
it'd be interesting if those guys wanted to put some of those stories out in society. And I get, I yeah. get why they may not want to. But at the same time, the whole relationship with the media is changing so fast. We can go on some of these Zoom calls, and we can yeah. say we want to ask a question, but they may not even call us. They may not open our mic. So it's harder than ever to get these stories out there. But you see the fans who say they'll never watch a game or go to a game, and you know they don't hear these stories. There's got to yeah. be a way to bridge that gap. And obviously the yeah. best way would be right here with PK and I on this show. But if that can't work, the second best way is on one of my TV shows. And if that can't work, then I suppose there are other media outlets that would probably do a fine job with it. But I really think those stories need to be told because that's the gap that really needs to be bridged. Or we're just going to keep yelling at each other and we're not going to go anywhere. For sure. And I, and that's why, like I said, like I would, it's not my my place to to put these stories or I names, and, yeah. but like I do agree, I think it it could help. But I also see from, from their point of view again, sure. like how hard it is to like. I've had guys, we've had guys sit in the thing and like bawling, crying, talk, telling these stories, and that's to like ten, fifteen people that are we're, we're are really close with. Like we see each other every day, we're comfortable talking and laughing mm-hmm. and like whatever it is, and. Like to see that with your own, like I can, you can tell and you can feel by the the way they're talking how much it, it not just hurts them, but their their parents or their brothers or sisters or grandparents, like whoever it is in the family or, or close friends. But um, I I think it's really hard for them to tell those stories. And um, but I do, like you said, I I I think it would help. But I also see the side of, of how hard it would be to, to open up about some things like that. Well, maybe one time there'll be one guy who can do it. I get it's not for everybody. I really do get that. For sure. And it's like, honestly, not putting it on the same level, but it was like when DeRozan and Kevin Love started talking about the mental health and, yeah. and more guys now started to open up about it. Now every NBA team's got a, um, I don't know what you, a mental health advisor or whatever the um, kind of specific role is, but... Um, yeah, I mean, you you never know what what will happen, and um, but yeah, like it's I I hundred percent, like I said, stand by my my teammates, and, and the reason why is because I've been in those conversations. I I would just hope that everyone could um, maybe you're not going to hear it from these specific players, but just have a think about like some of the stuff that you read about happening to your own family or your own brother or sister or mum or dad and um, that's why I said that's why it makes me so comfortable to to do what I do because I I have heard that Joe thanks for calling in we're glad we got back you got back to us and were able to come on today no no worries at all appreciate it